Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Nicole Lano, and we're going to speak about how she helps business owners, entrepreneurs, and is a self-reclaimed type A hippie with her business strategy and peak performance coaching. Before we begin, I'll remind you this show is brought to you by Discover My Voice. If you are interested in launching your own podcast, head over to myvoicechallenge.com and join our three-day challenge that's going to live at the beginning of every month so you can learn how to launch your own podcast in accordance with a business. Nicole, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I am super excited about this conversation because it's going to be a great back and forth a little bit of, from different perspectives. I love having like the male-female dichotomy mm-hmm. where we can talk a little bit. And it really, as a self-reclaimed type A hippie, I think that's going to be an interesting aspect we're going to have to unpack a little bit. And I want to give the audience just a quick rundown of your background, where you are a startup founder, business strategist, peak performance coach, as I mentioned. You're also a rapid relief technique, NLP, and human design practitioner. And we've talked a little bit about NLP on the show before, but we'll have to unpack that as well. You host the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. And as we mentioned, you're that self-proclaimed type A hippie. You help ambitious women harness their feminine energy, break free from subconscious patterns of perfectionism and overanalyzing so that we can sell and serve at the highest level without burning out. Unlike other mindset coaches who focus only on energetics of business, you use your background in corporate entrepreneurship and startup world to advise your clients on developing their sustainable multiple six-figure business strategy while opening up to abundance. That is a heck of a mouthful. And before we unpack all of that, what's a fun fact about yourself that we might not know from your background and all your content? A fun fact about me, I was an actor before I was a Wall Street corporate girl. And so I have been in commercials. I have like a holiday movie special. I've been in a Halloween movie and I've been in a Christmas movie. So that's kind of a fun fact that you probably wouldn't know unless you saw very specific posts. Usually around Halloween, I post about the Halloween movie because it's super fun. (laughs) Awesome. So we're able to go watch that if we need to. What's the name of it? Don't hide it from us. It's called Tales of Halloween. It's an anthology. So it was a bunch of horror movie directors got together and they all made little pieces of one big movie. And it's super duper fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we'll have a little bit of that background, I'm sure, as we hear you talk about things. And overall, I want to dive into, obviously, we're focusing on leadership and, and you help. You really focus on females that are trying to overcome that analysis paralysis or that perfection paralysis. Overall, before we dive into how you help people unpack that, can you describe to us, like, how do you describe like a leader? Is there any characteristics you have that you look for in clients? So you're like, man, this is the type of thing that we want to highlight with them. I mean, as far as how I view a leader, I view a leader as someone who leads themselves before they lead anybody else. It starts with you. 
And typically that's usually what I look for with a client. When I start with somebody and I start working with them, I'm looking at where they're not leading themselves. Where are they not listening to what they truly feel called to do? Where are they hesitating? Where are they allowing old stories to get in the way? And I identify those roadblocks so we can start knocking them down immediately. And a lot of that dives into uh, part of what you use in NLP, where you focus, it really has that, those limited beliefs that they they don't necessarily recognize, more or less like blind spots, right? Where they might not even recognize, like, this is what's holding me back. And it could be a story from childhood that they were told that they have no clue that is affecting them now. And you really help target that to overcome that thing that is keeping them held back, if that's right. Yeah. There are so many modalities that I use because I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm about helping people and I'm, a, I'm about helping to clear the, the blocks in the way. I don't really care how we do it. The method though, what I do love NLP for wholeheartedly is being able to, one, I can go in subconsciously and we can find the things that you don't even know are there, like you were just describing, or I can be, I'm listening very, very closely for the little tells that you have, the ways that you are you're allowing your story to peek through that you may not know is there. And I can pick up on that in your language and I can help to dissect that. So sometimes it's a really quick fix of reframing some things and seeing if that does the job. And then other times it's jumping in with a big gun process, like a form of hypnosis, which NLP does touch on a bit of hypnosis. Interesting. Is that something that you've seen be really effective? Where is that where if like somebody's pushing back really heavily on something, then they're like, no, that's not true. That's not the case. You actually like dive into the subconscious and unconscious in that capacity. Is that where the hypnosis plays in? Sometimes it's it's usually where someone says, like, I've been fighting. Sometimes it's a really big, I'm not good enough kind of belief. I don't know why. I've always had it. I think I've always felt it. Or there's something that's been lingering or festering. They can maybe point to a time, a point in time where from this moment, it's like a traumatic event. And then, you know, it's that fork in the road. I was on track and then I wasn't. So we can go back to that event and we can effectively heal the event and take everything that we were supposed to learn from the experience kind of splash that over our whole life and then, you know, shift the timeline, so to speak, by doing that type of work. So that's where we go into the subconscious where you might not know exactly what the, sometimes it's one of those things. I don't know why I've always felt like I wasn't good enough. Your subconscious can sometimes tell us exactly where that was created. A lot of times it's usually before we were consciously creating memories. You know, I don't remember when I was four necessarily, but it takes us back to that point. Interesting. And and I'd imagine this is something that at some point in your journey, there was a catalyst moment that kind of put you on the path towards this way back. Was it a, in, in your teen years? Was it like your first job? What was it that set you on track to come to where you are now? It's funny you ask that because I, I talk about how my story winds, but I feel like it was always bringing me to this point. I, I always wanted to act, but I had this terrible fear of... I had this terrible fear of not being good enough and rejection, fear of getting it wrong. I was always really careful, but I always felt like I had so much more in me that I was able than I was able to put out in the time that I was doing it. I was of course growing from where I started as a very very shy kid who had a difficult relationship with I had a difficult relationship with my father and there was a lot to heal there. And But there was something that I always had, like I can remember being a teenager and saying things like, I don't like 
my situation. I don't like what I've been through, but I know it's serving me. Like I remember being like 14 years old and knowing that somewhere. So I feel like my soul has been guiding me on this path the entire time. And it just, you know, some of us take big giant leaps and maybe they were big giant leaps for me. They just, it's been this evolution over a lifetime. But I remember that. I remember saying that. And I remember saying that to someone I knew when I was like 20 years old, where I was like, whatever my past is, I know that it made me who I am right now. And I know that I'm going where I'm supposed to go, even if I can't see it. And it was an older person who just looked at me. He's like, what are you, why are you 20 years old and saying that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's what I've always known, whether the evidence was there in my world or not. Was there somebody that helped you unpack that where you're a coach and I'm a huge believer that everybody needs a coach in different seasons of their life. Was there a mentor or somebody that like helped you unpack that where you recognized it, but you had to work through it? I feel like there were people who saw me along the journey. I had some informal mentors, bosses, people that I worked with, friends who were, I always had these father figure kind of characters in my life, which I think substituted for the relationship I was missing with my dad, where they saw me, they got me, they they understood it and helped to build the confidence that I needed or helped me step into more of who I am in my own identity and really owning that. I didn't have coaches until I was older, but I always like longed for one. My grandfather was a very big, steady force in my life, but no one really coached me until I got older and I started actually paying coaches. Which I guess is a good move to make because, I, like I said, I think we all need that. But obviously, highlighting that you had a mentor like your grandfather. I mean, I think that's also mm. just as key where those are like the people that really move the needle for you, right? Recognizing those people and the impact they play, I think is really huge for us, don't you think? Oh, of course. I, I do a gratitude list every day and he's mm. been dead for over 20 years. And I still thank God for him and my grandmother, because I say to myself all the time, I don't know who I would be without their presence in my life. So absolutely. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I want to talk more about, obviously you are that self-proclaimed type A hippie. What makes you a hippie in that capacity? We all know what type A means in, in this world. I mean, I talked to a lot of high level coaches and CEOs. We get type A. What's a type A hippie? Why do you self-proclaim as that? Well, it was my way of sort of owning that I had these two sides. So when I worked on Wall Street, I burnt out on that career and went back to acting. And what I kept doing was when I was in when I was in corporate, I said, don't tell anyone you're an actor because that won't fit in here. And then I went back to acting and I said, don't tell anyone you were in corporate because that won't fit in here. I was always saying that one part of me didn't belong. So by me calling myself a type A hippie, it was embracing both sides. That was my way of owning it. So I could introduce myself. I could speak about myself in an empowered way where I really bridged these two sides of me, that it isn't either or, it's yes and, it's both of these sides of me. It is me, that is me. I'm analytical. I love data. I love strategy. I love having some structure. I feel like that breeds a space for creativity. However, I also have crystals on my desk. You can find me saging my house. I meditate daily. Those are the things that opened me up. And the more that I leaned into opening myself up to feminine energy, opening myself up to that creative flow, 
I was able to increase and expand my results far beyond what I ever could do when I just leaned into the masculine energy, when I just leaned into the doing and all of the analytical structured type A stuff. I burnt out on it and I didn't feel like myself. So I kind of came up with that name as a way of me owning who I am. I love that because it sounds like it's a step into almost like branding, right? There's that brand alignment of the who you are with what you're presenting, right? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs have trouble really putting themselves in the spotlight that that capacity, those limiting beliefs we're talking about, where they they don't want to really let people know that I'm really a hippie, but I'm really type A at the same time. And you start that alignment and all of a sudden it kind of shifts what you're presenting and projecting into the world is more of that true authentic self once you find that alignment. Is that kind of what happened in that moment where it all came together? A hundred percent. And by me putting it out there in that way, I get the people who respond to who I actually am, not who, not the mask that I wear, not the thing that I thought that they would say yes to. But if you don't want to work on mindset, then don't come to me. That's I'm not the coach for you. Not that I don't want to, I don't like you or anything, but you're probably not going to be happy with the service that I provide. So for those people who are looking for someone to help crack them open like an egg and get them to their most authentic self, I'm your girl. And being a type A hippie and presenting myself that way sort of sends up that flag and lets people know, like, if this is what you're looking for, this might, I might be a good person for you to at least speak to and see if we're a good fit. I love that you went through that journey yourself because I know you have several courses that you offer as programs. And some of that is really that, to me, the, the way I'm looking at it all and, and clarify for me, but it looks like a lot of what you do, especially with females, you mentioned that feminine energy and stepping into like that true alignment. That's a lot of what you do for, for clients is you went through that journey. And now you're teaching that journey to women as they embrace that for themselves. Exactly. And it takes some work to like to give yourself permission to do the thing that you believe that you're really great at, that you know that there's a need for, but not necessarily in the beginning. You might think, you know, where our head is turned by what we think people need, what they want. And we're sort of taught that in the strategic side of things. Pick a niche. What do they need? Fill the gap. It should come from you first. And that's why I teach alignment because a lot of times there's so much noise out there and there's so many people telling you that this is the way, this is the only way. We end up doing things that don't feel good. And then we can't be consistent with it because there's a part of us yelling at us from the inside saying, this is not where we're supposed to go. This is not what we're supposed to do. You should find your zone of genius. You should stay in your lane in that way. There's a lot you can do in the lane of your zone of genius. I teach alignment and authenticity and using your voice and you know clearing limiting beliefs, clearing past, I call it small T trauma, all of these things. I teach a million different things and I have a million different ideas every single day about different ways that I can teach them. It's not limiting when you're in alignment with what you're meant to do. You can get distracted by the other stuff. Right. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that in the entrepreneurship space is they think, oh, if I go that far down, if I niche that far down and I'm only really truly myself, quote unquote, right? 
that they're only going to have three people buy from them because that's all that they're going to bring in when they start generating leads and they start finding who their ideal client is. But the reality of the situation is it's not three. It's probably more like three million people that are going to be interested as your ideal client, right? Of course. And the more authentic you are, the greater the bond is going to be. You're going to be able to speak that language so fluently that the people who do resonate with it are going to resonate hard with it. Like the people who follow me, who have, who respond to my message, who identify as a type A hippie, I have. And once you find that group, that is what can sometimes take a little bit of time is finding that group and nurturing it. And sometimes we get impatient. We want it to happen faster. And we don't recognize the power of one, that the power of one person saying yes. And it sounds so cliche, but, and then telling two friends or them telling, you know, them showing up at a workshop and sharing it with somebody else, them referring somebody to you, you can make a business around that if you believe in it. But when we go for these bigger numbers, a lot of times that's just a shadow. That's just something inside of you that's saying that you're not good enough and truthfully is really rooted in lack. You look at it, I have a hundred followers. I need 10,000 to be successful. So all you're doing is looking at that gap between a hundred and 10,000, which is huge. So you're feeling like less and you're showing up less and you're showing up in less of your power and less of your authenticity because you're chasing a number rather than chasing, rather than being in alignment with what you're great at and believing that the right people will find you. Interesting. And how much of that, what would you say through all of that would be like the top blind spot, the number one blind spot you help people work through to get past that alignment or past that lack of alignment, excuse me. Well, the lack of alignment with the number of people and how to get past the following part or with the whole authenticity piece, like people, I mean, there's this pushback that I see pretty often where people just don't want to step into that, whether it's a limited belief that they don't know about, or it's one of those, they're just not ready to step in the limelight and let people know that there are a type A hippie. Is there one blind spot that you've seen that you've really seen is like the most common that presents itself that a lot of people are dealing with? I mean, the most common limiting belief or limiting thing within people is them not feeling like they are good enough, not worthy of people paying attention to them for them. It's a mask that we wear. We hide behind looking to other people for we call it inspiration, but we're really looking for validation. We're really looking for permission to say what we want, say what we mean. And in the absence of it, we just copy what somebody else does. So for me, a big red flag, what I look for is when people tell me that they should do something. The word should is a big red flag because if we're not aligned with a real desire or we're not aligned with a real goal, there's just this idea that that we should do this thing. It should be this way. It should be that way. I don't know, but I should do this. That's something I look for all the time. And people say it all the time. <laughs> all the time. Because as soon as you said I'm like, I'm like, uh-oh, how many times have I said that in the last 10 minutes? <laughs> it's funny how much people don't recognize, I think, this enough, but how much words and the ones we choose to use really do matter in what we manifest and what we project into the world is like, should, if that's a red flag, like that, that's one of those that people don't recognize what it truly means or, or what it could be keeping us from. And I think that's mm-hmm. a huge thing to recognize, right? It is. And, you know, my first experience with that was with a therapist back in New York talking about, you know, I don't know, well, I should do that. I had to go to a party for family 
And he said, well, why do you have to go? And I said, well, I should, why should you? And that was my first experience of someone backing me out of my own words and getting to the real meaning of that. I was living my life. I was doing things. I was allowing some story of what was right or wrong to guide me in a direction that was ultimately taking up my time, which was precious at the time when I'm working 12 or 14 hour days on Wall Street. Any time over the weekend was like gold to me. So all of that, and I do that now and I notice it now and I notice it in myself. Where am I saying should? Where am I? Where am I? And that's your cue to to stop and take a moment and realign. I would imagine the next word that usually follows should is, and there's some sort of excuse of why you're not accomplishing what you should be doing, right? Yeah. And I'll give you all a little tidbit here. Whatever your excuses are, are your beliefs. That's the biggest thing. If your excuse is, well, I didn't make the sales that I wanted to, this launch wasn't successful because my audience is too small. Then your belief is that with a small audience, you can't be successful. And if you break that down, we'd say, well, I have a small, do you have a small audience? Yes, I do. Well, then do you believe that you can be successful? The truth is, is no. If that is the ultimate truth that you believe, then every day inside of you, in your subconscious, you're actually saying that you can't be successful. So we have to shift that belief in order for you to show up differently. And that often gets in the way of people's authenticity because they don't feel good enough. That's how these things can be kind of sinister and sneaky and working very much undercover. And because it becomes that like inner rhetoric, right? That inner voice that is on repeat, that is usually speaking to us in a way we would never allow somebody else to speak to us. So we're sitting there beating ourselves up over, well, I need another follower. I need. And so, like you said earlier, you start putting out content that's like not authentic and you're wondering why it's not catching fire. It's not doing the thing you're expecting it to do. And you're like, well, this is, and then you get frustrated. And it's that cycle that kind of just feeds off each other. And to me, it's one of those, it's like uh, circling the the drain of entrepreneurship, right? Because it just continues to feed off itself. Absolutely. And you know, when people when people get out of their authenticity and they're chasing the follower, they're chasing the thing, that's become a program that we're running. And that's what I love NLP for. It tells us what the programming is and gives us the tools like with a computer that you need to debug, how to debug your brain and how to rewire those thoughts so that they're serving you instead of driving you where you're in perpetual motion toward sometimes nothing in pursuit of more followers. Well, what's the ultimate goal from more followers? Could that be achieved in another way? Usually the answer is yes. (laughs) In fact, for that one, it's always yes. You don't need more followers. You need to... And the answer of how you get to more sales might be very, very different for people, but it's about taking that step back and realizing that maybe you're chasing that vanity metric because you feel like it validates you in some way. And what I think a lot of people get caught in the trap of is that Instagram world, right? They mm-hmm. see the Kardashians that have tens of millions of followers and like, well, that's how you get big and famous. That's how you get rich. It's how you become someone, right? That external validation. And it, that's almost like a, a sad fact. Like I didn't have an Instagram account until I started a business. I never really understood it. I still don't understand Instagram if I'm being honest with y'all, right? Like I just, I don't get it, but it it turns into, it's easy to see, like they're putting up like the best of highlight reel 
And that's not real life most of the time for all these influencers that were like, oh man, I want to be like this person. The reality is they're leaning on somebody else's Bugatti and it's not even there. And you know, you have that whole fake feeling and then you start creating these inner feelings of like, oh, I got to have that. I got to be like that. Well, the way to do that is with the 2 million followers that they have. And it becomes again, that vicious cycle of like, why am I not rich and famous? Because I need 2 million people or whatever it may be. Right. Right. With Instagram and what we always want to do when we think about alignment and we think about like, so that this is a good example of how misalignment happens and it feels like real work. So, and we don't realize we're misaligned. So when we think about alignment, a lot of times we think about like, you know, meditating and getting into alignment, but it's very much aligning your effort with your goals and your goals should be aligned with your desires. So if you desire a certain type of life or a certain type of result, is Instagram the right thing to get you there? A lot of times it's not necessarily the best tool, but we are so on autopilot and we get sucked into the seductiveness of big audience of what other people have there. It's such a voyeuristic platform of following people, scrolling, watching, getting sucked into that kind of vortex of what Instagram is, this whole influencer world. And it's kind of triggering for anybody who grew up maybe not feeling very influential or feeling unseen or not feeling like one of the cool kids and you desire to be that. That may not be the best path to getting to the ultimate goal that you have for yourself. So that's where it's really important to to see what you're doing every day and making sure that it's actually in alignment with the life you want to create for yourself. I think a lot of that turns into being the content we're ingesting, right? And we're surrounded by content from, I mean, you're talking TikTok being huge, Instagram being huge, YouTube, all this video, all this content, like you're talking about the voyeurism of social media. Are there other resources that you really cherish reading? Is there a book you love? Anything that you ingest that's not social media that kind of helps you refresh? Yeah. I mean, I read books constantly. I'm a voracious learner. So I'm a human design coach. So I tend to read a lot of stuff about diving into that topic because it's sort of encompasses everything that I love. It's about energy. There's science to it. There's alignment of how to tap into your innate gifts and, you know, leaning into them, leaning into expansion rather than leaning into your shadow. Some of the books that I love, I love a happy pocket full of money. I love that book. I love the untethered soul. There's a great book called The Dark Side of Light Chasers, which is a really great book by Debbie Ford. Those are some of my favorites. And I love anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, Of course, Dr. Joe, he's got some really awesome insight. I didn't recognize the other ones. I I recognize Dr. Joe. He's got some really awesome, insightful content. I mean, as a whole that he puts out. Is there, of all the, the books you just mentioned, is that a particular genre? Is it about opening one up? Is it about mindset? Where do those books kind of feed into in that industry? That's pretty much what I read. Yeah, yeah I, I read books about tapping into us more, our authenticity more, allowing your soul to come through, really following your calling. That tends to be my vibe. <laughs> I absolutely love that vibe. And it's one of those that you have such a like calming influence about yourself, right? And you seem very 
talking about vibe, right? It's just one of those, like, you feel like it feels like you vibe very well. And in this world, I think it's really a struggle for a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs that are high performers and peak performers and really highly ambitious. Your ideal client, like the person you work with, everything you've done in your life, going from Wall Street to now passing this information forward and helping people with this aspect of things, what would you say is the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world with all the amazing things you're putting out there? I always say that my mission in life is to make sure that nobody who ever enters my world ever plays small again. I love that. I love that. That's audacious for a lot of people. I love that never play small again. If somebody, if the audience wants to find this content, obviously we mentioned the podcast, you mentioned you have courses, you're all over social media, a great Facebook group. Can you give the audience the opportunity to know where to find all this content and see where they can learn more about you as a whole? Absolutely. Yeah. You can You can certainly follow me on Instagram at Nicole Lano Official. You can listen to my podcast. It's called The Limitless Entrepreneur. You can find that anywhere podcasts can be found, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And my Facebook group is actually called Practical Manifestors. And that is the type A hippies. It's practical approaches to the energetic practices, to getting into alignment, to actually having a strategy that opens you up rather than shuts you down. So that is my Facebook group. You can find that at, actually, we have a little vanity link that is called innerceo.group.com. You can go to that. It'll direct you right over there. I love that. And I, I definitely encourage everybody to head over to the podcast, the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. There are several friends of mine that have been on from Jesse T. We know him from the show, but also I saw uh, Laura Powers has been on there. You've had, yeah. You have several people that I, in my world that have been guests. So obviously amazing content interviews you're putting out there. And I just want to thank you for the time and the wisdom that you've brought to the audience today, Nicole. Thank you for this conversation. It was wonderful. I had such a pleasure being here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.